We would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land in which this podcast is recorded and produced, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations, whose sovereignty was never ceded and this area's original name was Nam. We pay respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. Damn! We're in a tight spot! Welcome to Music Town. May I service you? Great Scott! It'll never be enough! I only want to hear Yaya Ding Dong! Ah, as if! Dignity. Always dignity. You're listening to You Watched What? I'm Kate. And I'm Amy. This week we watched the 2017 immediate classic horror movie Get Out made by Jordan Peele. His first, the first movie he directed. How are you, Amy? I'm okay, Kate. Um, We're in lockdown once again here in regional Victoria, which I don't Mm -hmm. know whether this makes it, does this make it number lockdown seven for me or are we just backing on to your lockdown number six? Because we all went into lockdown number six Together. Uh, worked out for us in regional Vic, it was only like four days and then we were mm. released into heavy restrictions, but not technical lockdown, which for, for my personal family meant that the kids could go to school and I could go back into teaching dance in our hall. So pretty much normal life for us because we're yeah. a young family. We don't really do too much anyway. <laughs> um, normal COVID life anyway. Yeah, so, and now we that that kind of lasted for two weeks for us. So quite a long time in this in and out lockdown situation that we've had going on for a couple of months. So we had two weeks of that, and now we're in lockdown again. So, is this lockdown seven for us, or are we lockdown mm. six point two, or? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but I'm I'm okay. Mentally, it's it's really interesting. And I'm not sure if I mentioned this last time on the podcast or whether we just spoke about it our, between ourselves. But mentally going into lockdown for me, I don't struggle too bad. Like I, I'm I'm okay. Um I know what I'm doing in lockdown. Working in lockdown's pretty pretty straightforward and easy now we've got a good kind of routine and rhythm with that the kids that's you know doing homeschool they're all pretty good this year they've got great teachers this year which has made a huge difference to our experience that we had last year um and it's it's been really really good but I'm finding the really interesting thing is that my brain knows that it's okay I don't mind lockdown. I'm a homebody. I'm a bit of an introvert in some ways and I'm a real extrovert in other ways. But in um, (laughs) social kind of situations, I'm a real introvert. So I don't mind it at all. Um, But I found it really, really interesting that my body has had really full-on reactions to the lockdowns being announced, even though my brain – knows everything's okay and I feel quite calm mentally my body just and it's it's an interest it's really interesting so like the lockdown just prior to this one 
I had a massive headache leading up. Like I went into work and I knew that the lockdown was going to be announced while I was teaching. So I had a massive headache. And then by the the time I got home, my whole back had completely seized up. And then I spent like a week in pain because my 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 muscles had, had really contracted and, mm. and seized up. And then this time, so yesterday, so this was just announced for us yesterday in regional. I know you'll get this a few weeks down the track, but um, instant, and I knew it was coming because we mm. all we all know how these things work, and so I knew it was coming. But then the minute it was announced, I felt nauseous, and then was nauseous for the rest of the day, and wow. it's just, it's really. It's, oh, I need someone out there to do a study on, there probably already is studies on how your brain, re- even though I feel like I'm being really calm and I feel like I, I know what's going on and I feel like I'm coping quite well mentally, but there's obviously some kind of connection messaging happening with my brain that yeah. then my body has this full-on response response yeah 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 it's fascinating this is an unusual and exciting um version of our segment what's wrong with amy (laughs) i actually got a really good element to tell you about too (laughs) oh awesome please so uh, because it's more of a warning it it may happen through the podcast so guys what's wrong what's wrong with amy this week We, we need a song we do. Um, we do. We'll get a jingle. As you being part of our family, Kate, you know that our <laughs> sinuses suck. Our I sinuses bad. I've been <laughs> editing our previous episode and I have, oh, I'm like totally fine. The number of just extremely loud sniffs I did and have had <laughs> to cut out, I just did a nose flush. 10 minutes ago to clear the sinuses for this recording mm. because I keep listening back to myself and going, oh, you, you sound a little clogged up there. Uh, yeah. yeah, our sinuses are the worst. So, and our sister Stacey has had to have sinus surgery before. So we've got bad on, sinuses. Mm. I've never had a good sense of smell, all of that. This change of season has kicked my ass uh-huh. with my sinus and... In the last month, I have become a snort laugher. <gasps> oh, my I God. <laughs> oh, I've oh. never been a snorter before. And then it's just has started to happen. So I've got to put the warning out there that I may snort laugh I am throughout the podcast. going to try. So we'll see what happens. I'm going to try so hard it to just make hits that randomly. to you, Amy. It hasn't happened as much this week as it did Yep. In the last few weeks, the last few weeks, every time I spoke to my husband, I was like snorting. <laughs> it was bad, but we'll see what happens. I, like I'm trying to hold it together right now. I can feel it in my my nose wants to go, <laughs> but um, we'll see what happens. So I thought I better just warn you, Kate, that I may snort. I'm thrilled. Not, I'm excited. I'm, yeah, it's, it was such a, it was really random when it started happening. I was like, I've never been a snorter when I laugh and all of a sudden I am. So that's how I am. How are you? I'm on two different kinds of veggies today. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm good. Uh, look, as you were saying, our family are generally, like we're good at being social in social situations. But as soon as you say, oh, you can just go home and rest now, we're like, 
fine, I'll see you okay. in a week. Goodbye. I'm safe and well and that's pretty pretty good. That's what matters. I hope yeah. everybody out there is doing well and remember mm. to ask for help if you need help and reach yes. out to people when you need to reach out to people. It can be really um, isolating and lonely. Oh, so yeah. reach out if you need to. And remember to smile at people or smile with your eyes and your masks when you walk past people and say hello to people as you walk past them. It, it does make yeah. a difference. Probably should do that. Mum asked me, do people in the city do that? I'm like, no. Yeah, like, it's we so normal here in the country. <laughs> it's so yeah. normal. Yeah, I remember when we when I first moved out um, from living in we – we grew up in the kind of the city and metro and then we moved to the country and then after a few years I moved back into the city and because I'd gotten into the habit of saying hi to people and people just look at you like you're crazy. But I feel it's like true. it would really help. Especially you don't know who lives by themselves and it might be the only kind of interaction that they have for a few days. Yeah. So do it, guys. Say hello to your neighbours if you see them. should. So that's how we are. So what have you been watching? Well, the Melbourne International Film Festival is on at the moment. Normally this is basically my Christmas but mm. two years in a row now, unfortunately, the in-cinema program has not been able to go ahead. Yeah. But they have been able to move a lot of their films onto, st- onto streaming. And awesome. so last Saturday, I was able to watch Palazzo di Cozzo, the documentary <gasps> about Franco Cozzo. You told me, I forgot that you were seeing this. You told me you were going to see yeah. it and I completely forgot. God, he's an icon. If you're not from he Melbourne. He is an icon. He is icon we grew up I will, with his ads we have to play one of mm-hmm. his ads it yeah I will definitely sick. link to I think probably a, a vast number of YouTube resources did, <laughs> I, I did know that there were at least a couple songs about him but like at the time when his ads were a big deal a couple of songs got made about yeah. his slogans that he was in uh, also in the 60s he like for like three years had a music show on TV where he presented you know, Italian Australian bands and music. Wow! Yeah. Well, he really he is a really good icon then. Wow. Oh no, he is hardcore an icon. Yeah, he's amazing. Yeah. So it was, it was a really. It wasn't just nostalgia, but there was definitely a chunk of nostalgia in seeing the ads mm-hmm. that we grew up with, and some of the earlier ones, and then some of the later ads he's done, and just just hearing him talk was mm-hmm. was lovely, but. It was a great look at the migrant experience of people coming over from Southern Europe after World War Two, and the appeal of the kind of furniture that he sells at just like very over-the-top Baroque style that's mostly, mm. you know, handcrafted. Really ornate and... Yes, very, like lots of gilding and... and all curls. Very shiny and, timber, very, very yes. shiny stuff. What have you been watching, Amy? Well, we've been watching I actually had heard a podcast. Now a lot of a lot of my what I'm gonna watch comes from me listening to true crime podcasts. And so there's so there's a true crime podcast that I listen to that True Crime Conversations with Jesse Stevens. And I really it's not light content at all that she does, but she interviews 
people. So she's not just telling the story. She um, will be on the line with someone who has written a book about the story or has done a podcast about the story or has written the TV show about the story and she interviews them. And so I think it's a really um, cool way to get the story across. So I get a lot of my recommendations of shows to watch or other podcasts to listen to through listening to this one because she kind of gives you, well, there's this new podcast out and this is the rundown of the what the um, story's about kind of thing in half an hour. Anyway, so she did one a few weeks ago about Dr. Death <gasps> in America. Yes. And because they've just done a TV show with Joshua Jackson and it's out on Stan. And so I was like, right, I'm going to sit down and watch this. So I went and I found it on Stan and I pressed play. And then I realized that I was actually watching a documentary on it. And I was like, oh, stop this. We don't need to be watching the, the documentary just yet. So then I went and watched the TV show, like the um, dramatized version Mm-hmm. which I think was like eight episodes. And then I went and watched the documentary, which was like four episodes. So I am awesome. like fully immersed in this Dr. Death story. Oh, my God. It's how, so how good. broken is the American system that he was just – So broken. I so he's a initial podcast. A, Oh, okay, because that's next on my list is to listen to the podcast because it's a good the guy, podcast. the interview was the with the guy who did the podcast who was why yeah. the the TV show has yeah. been made. Yeah, so it's about Christopher Dench who became a neurosurgeon, and I was a bit confused because I always thought neurosurgeons were just brain for some reason, but it, of mm. course it's all spine. It's your your spine because, you know, that's that's your nervous system and your neurological system is. But he was shonky and he just kept operating on people and people die and like he he killed people because he was so bad and it was – he's in jail now. Mm. But it was just so interesting. The whole time you're kind of going – is he doing this on purpose? Like, is he just really shit at his job or yeah. is this on purpose? Is he like a psychopath that just doesn't give a shit and wants yeah. to see how many people he can maim and kill and get away with it? And yeah. I kind doing of am leaning, I'm leaning towards him doing it on purpose. So I've, I watched that. The next thing I, I've started to watch is called Hidden and it's also on Stan and it's a Welsh procedural um, drama. Um, really, really good. Half in English, half in Welsh. So you've got to be able to pay full attention. Yesterday, I tried to watch some yesterday and I just couldn't pay attention so I had to turn it off I got like 10 minutes in and I was like oh it's too much for my brain they're speaking Welsh and I can't read that fast right now (laughs) it's not it's not working so I just popped on Sex and the City from the very start and started watching that yesterday afternoon which was really good um nice but last night I started to watch White Lotus on Binge which is the new HBO show that's it's just kind of finished so it's all there for us to binge um that's really good I don't like any of the characters they all suck but it draws you in very good like oh it's so good 
people don't have to be likable to be interesting. And that's right. If you can get that right in drama, it can be very enjoyable. So I'm oh, I'm cool. really keen to keep watching that. Yeah. So that's what awesome. I've been watching. This Fortnite's movie always feels kind of weird, but it let's does. talk about this Fortnite's movie, Get Out, directed by Jordan Peele, came out in 2017. Might be, actually, I didn't go back and look at my list, might be the, the best thing I saw in 2017, actually. I got mm, to see it possibly. in the cinema, and I'm going to tell a short story now that isn't spoilery, but guys, we are going to get deep into the spoilers. It's a horror movie. I went into seeing it. And I had put a lot of effort into staying unspoiled before I saw mm-hmm. it in the cinema. And uh, I'm glad I did. It was really worth it. Uh, and I recommend the same. Like, if you if you don't think you're ever going to see it and you want to keep listening, go for it. But if you think you want to see it and you haven't seen stop it. Stop and go stop and Stop now and go and watch it. It's so good. And it's so worth seeing it unspoiled. But it was really interesting. I saw it in the cinema and then... Went to the loos after the movie was over and then at the sinks was chatting to a woman who'd been sitting near me, this older white woman. And I was, and she was like, oh, what did you think? And I'm like, oh, I thought that was fantastic. I really loved it. And she's like, I thought it was so predictable. And I just thought, what are you, what are you, you doing in your life that you went into this and immediately you thought, know, oh, yes. Okay, so I'm going to say something here because I had listened to – um, like some at some point last year, I'd listened to Peter Hallier's podcast on this movie, so ah. I kind of I kind of knew a bit about like I was I was cleaning at the time, so I wasn't paying full attention to the plot. So I went in watching it, not knowing everything. But yeah. something I do remember from him saying about it was that it, he found it to be very predictable because it was very much like the Stepford Wives. Oh, okay. And so yeah, I, that's that a good may point. be what she was getting at because Maybe. I'd kind of forgotten that I had heard anything about like all of that until I started watching it. And then I kind of clued on to what was going on and I was like, Ah, it is like the Stepford Wives. I could yeah. kind of see what was going to happen because of Good point. that. Yeah. So maybe maybe that's where she found that it was okay. predictable yeah. if she's seen that and that was at the forefront of her mind. And when she kind of clued on to that it was similar, it may have felt predictable in, in yep. that way. Okay. Okay, I think that's fair. I haven't just, actually. I've seen just the ruined Stepford your Wives. story. Yeah, no, I have. That's so right. the, there's a bit of a di- there's a bit of a difference with the Stepford Wives in that. Yeah. Um, it's robots. men that turn turn their wives into robots. Yeah. But there are similarities in this movie. There's definitely similarities. So yeah. we've already started to move into spoiler territory, guys. This is your last call. Anyone who wants to get off before the spoilers. Get out. Okay, like, <laughs> get out. Okay. Get out five, now. Four, three, two, one. Good to see another brother around here. 
Yes, of course it is. <laughs> Something wrong? It's spoiler Hi. territory. Yes. Welcome back. If you left us, went and watched the movie. I hope you're okay. Okay. I actually so kind of love watching horror movies at home alone. Do you? <laughs> Such or... a creepy. I watched creepy it way through the day. It. I used to be so brave with horror movies when I was a teenager, and now, like, I made sure I was watching it through the day. Um, <laughs> and my husband's just come back from interstate after 13 weeks, so I made him watch Yay. it with me. So, woo! So, first things first, the introduction, like the production company's introduction when I first turned it on, is as creepy as fuck. Like, isn't it? it isn't it's it? Just I forgot like, about that. It is so creepy. It's like this little creepy girl and creepy ass music and I was just like oh my god what have I gotten myself mm. into I don't know if I want to do this <laughs> but then and the very next thing that happens is the one of who I think is one of the sexiest men alive who we've spoken mm. about before and I wasn't expecting and before we even saw him I heard his voice and I got very excited I knew you would yeah yeah I, wasn't ex- yeah, I wasn't expecting it. I was like, oh, yeah. And then I was like, I was a little bit disappointed he wasn't in it more. But my mm. God. God, I love him. He's so sexy. This podcast could turn into a Lakeith Stanfield stand podcast. <laughs> yeah. He's so We're going to have to just go and watch all of his, his movies. His voice he even. Is great. Oh, his voice mm. is even just mm-hmm. smooth and delicious mm-hmm. is how I would describe his voice. And, yeah, he is an extremely good-looking man. So we have a cold open in the dark, in the suburbs. He's on the phone to, it sounds like, his girlfriend and he's lost. And it's a street that immediately gave me 80s American horror movie vibes. Like, it could be Elm Street. Mm. Mm. Um, Yeah, it was very interesting that he was like, this is a creepy-ass suburb. And then that's the point where my husband walked in and sat down next to me and he goes, Oh, this place looks really nice. <laughs> like white man <laughs> loved the street. Black oh man found yeah. it creepy. <laughs> and that's the movie at its core. Like that's that's it. In in a yeah. nutshell, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things I noticed the first time I watched it and I did notice it again is Jordan Peele has been a performer for a really long time. Um he's a writer, but This is the first movie he directed. And a thing I noticed in this opening scene is just this incredibly confident and sophisticated use of the camera, how we're Mm. following Lakeith along. And then as soon as this hot rod car comes, we start following that and we follow it around and it doesn't move and the camera moves and then we lose the car from the shot and then when our attention's drawn back to the car, we've lost the driver from the car and yeah, everything it was so well goes horribly. Done, wasn't it? Mm, it was it, like immediately struck me as a really clever, sophisticated use of the camera yeah. to create a, a scare in a horror movie. And immediately I'm like, yeah, no, he is really yeah, good at this. And his use of music throughout, not even just in this scene, because they've got Run Rabbit mm-hmm. Run playing um, yeah. from the car. Um, mm-hmm. And that just gives you the creeps. Like you oh. know straight, aw- you know straight away that 
what's going to happen. Like you just know because of the music. But not even in this scene. I found the choice of music phenomenal throughout the whole movie. Even in scenes, and I've got it written down later and we'll talk about it again as it comes up because I can't think of exactly when. But I remember there's there's scenes that seem really benign and Mm. really, really kind of fine and happy and if you saw that scene without any sound or with different music, you it would be fine. But the music is so ominous over the top or, and so mm-hmm. the music's so creepy over the top and stringy and it just changes that whole scene altogether. Yeah. So yeah. the choice of music was really sophisticated throughout the whole movie, I found. It really was, yeah. The score is by Michael Abels. I'm just going to look up. He's done anything else, but I, I did immediately look him up because the the score and all of the soundtracking and the choices of other songs is fantastic. Yeah. Just so good. Huh. This is Michael Abel's first composing credit. Wow. That's amazing. Wow, well, what a... What, what yeah. one out of the what park immediately, start. right? Yeah, yeah, what a start because it was, yeah. So good. This is one of the things Amazing. that I particularly love about the horror genre is this is not a wildly surreal movie. The horror elements are not – they're from real life. They are not particularly out of this world. It's not aliens. It's not creatures. No. It's not supernatural themes. But you get to use all of the tools in the filmmaker's um, toolkit to – make the situation unnerving. Like mm. and, and he, yes, in particular unnerving. he uses yeah, music and sound effects and slightly more dramatic use of the camera. You really kind of get to go and, and play with everything to set your scene yes. in a horror movie. And Jordan Peele really does it. Michael Abel's soundtrack yeah. is incredible and it's used so beautifully to yeah to create that sense of unease. Yeah. And straight away, even in this first scene, I can kind of and I understood why it was nominated for so many awards, like straight mm. away, because yeah. it just, yeah, it was. It grabs you immediately. scene grabs you and is, yeah, really, yeah. really good. Really, really, good. really good. Yeah, um, Jordan Peele got the, um, I think it was Best Original Screenplay at the Oscars mm-hmm. for this. So, yeah, Paula Keith Stanfield's been um, stuffed in a car boot. Abducted. And we cut. We cut to our protagonist, Chris Washington, played by Daniel Kaluuya, who is a Brit, but who oh, doesn't. Okay. I'm quickly going to tell the story of Daniel Kaluuya winning an Oscar at this year's ceremony for um, Judas and the Black Messiah, a movie he's in with Lakeith Stanfield, which we will Ooh, definitely okay. watch. We might have to about watch that the- one. We're definitely going to have to watch that one, Amy. We're gonna, I'm gonna find it, and we're gonna watch it. In his Oscar acceptance speech, Daniel Kaluuya is talking about, you know, how he came to be in the world, and you know how how fortunate he is. So his mum and his sister are in the audience at at the BAFTA, like the all of viewing the British kind of nominees, party. yeah, have a viewing yeah. party, and it's amazing because whoever was was directing the Oscar ceremony cuts to Daniel Kaluuya's mum and sister just as Daniel Kaluuya is basically like, you know, it's amazing that my parents had sex and that's how I was born. And his mum immediately just pulls this like, what did he just say face? And his sister just like, oh, just fully (laughs) double face palms. And he's like, what is my stupid little brother said? 
I don't know if she's the older sister, but the whole situation had very younger brother vibes and it was hilarious. <laughs> anyway, Daniel Kaluuya, I've seen him in a few things now. He's great. He is very good in this. I didn't recognise him from anything else. So... Um, He'd been in quite a few things in the UK before this, but this was his real big breakout role. He's in Black Panther. Yep. He's been, okay. Yeah, he's been in quite a few things Black and he's won Panther. that Oscar. Daniel Kaluuya is Chris Washington and he's dating Rose Armitage, played by Alison Williams. Another bit of research mm. I did when I was just looking at those names, I just, I just looked it up and... In the 2010 United States Census, Armitage is not a very common surname in the US, but... 91.95% of individuals with that surname are white, whereas Washington is, is the 145th most con- common surname in the US and 87.5 individuals with that surname are black. Yeah. It's that Which is very interesting. Yeah. Well, it's that whole thing that we kind of learn from being um, in here in Australia anyway, from being Hamilton fans, is that, you know, the the presidents, the original founding fathers of the mm. U.S., had a lot of slaves, and therefore, you know, the slaves took on their last names, and that's why there's so many black, black families out there with the name Washington and Jefferson. Yep. yep. And so, yeah, that foundation of endemic racism in America is just it's there in every tiny little detail of this mm-hmm. movie it's really yep. well thought out yeah so we meet Chris and Rose they're packing to go away for the weekend to meet Rose's parents Chris hasn't met them and he's a little concerned that has she told them that he's, that black, he's black yeah he just he's just got this gut feeling that it's not going to go well that he's going to mm. show up and they're going to be like oh, who's this black man and let's let's make the point that he's not um fair he's quite he's dark not, skinned yeah he's he's, got, he's a dark skinned black american man yeah in the movie yeah um and so that would be even more confronting i guess in his mind than than being a bit fairer, lighter. It's such a hard – I don't know how to say it without sounding awful, Kate. <laughs> I think – I mean, let's let's talk about it now. This is an amazing film and I loved it, but I was very aware watching it, like, this film isn't for us. No. As, you know, basically middle-aged white ladies, you know, geriatric millennials, if you will, and Gen Xs. Like, this movie is great and I get so much out of it and I love it, but it's not – for us. No. It's a it's a movie made by a black American man about the experience of being black in America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so I do you think re- you have a point that yeah, casting casting a man who is quite dark skinned and putting him in this story feels like mm. a deliberate choice to say, look, it, you know, it, this is his experience. Yeah. This man's might have had bad experiences with um, with with white families before. I don't know if he's dated mm-hmm. um, other white women, but there's a. There's I a think his concern, a, yeah. Part of his concern too was like that she said that she's never dated a black man 
before. Mm. So he kind of might also have the feeling of like, I'm the experiment of how this is going to go with your family. You don't actually know how they will react to you dating a black man because you've never done it before. So he, it's really obvious. He's really nervous going down this, but she, um, she's great at calming his worries and nerves. Mm. Yeah, she really is. And these worries and nerves feel like really valid. Mm. Totally valid. Yeah. Something we see in a scene just coming up but across the film is how Chris is clearly extremely experienced and very, very good at diffusing tensions, coming across as extremely chill and calm and easygoing. This is a man who's lived in lived in the world and his experience has been don't make waves. Don't make trouble yeah. with white people. Just be calm yep. and chill. Don't get emotional. Don't get aggressive. Don't, Diffuse don't, tension. Yeah. Don't yeah. give anything that will cause a reaction kind of Yep. Always thing. be diffusing. Yeah. Yeah. So they get in the car and they start travelling down. Now they're in New York currently and they're going, I'm guessing. Upstate. Upstate. To yeah, I don't know. To the country, it's, it's country. It's lush. It's big estates. It's on way. the phone. We'll come back to him, but we get introduced to Rod, Chris's best friend, played by uh, Lil Ray Howery, who is a TSA who, who, agent and 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 the sorry. best character in the whole movie. Oh my god, Rod! Justice <laughs> for Rod. He's so good. So he's going to look after Chris's dog while he's away for the weekend. So we, we get a quick call with them. Tonally, this scene really feels very comic. Mm. You start to feel like you're in a romantic comedy or maybe like a, a remake of who, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. And then <laughs> yeah. we have... I remember that great, great movies. <laughs> yes. And... Um, <gasps> And then we have an, another kind of almost jump scare where they hit a deer. Yeah. And it's really I didn't know what it was. Jarring. I yeah. didn't know what you it was. You can't see. You can't see. I thought it was a rabbit and it just kind of – and it almost seemed – this is where if you don't know what you're getting into, it kind of almost seemed supernatural, like when you're driving mm. down this really scary – because it's um forest – on the side of the roads, like it's dense and their trees are really tall. And so it seems like that kind of movie where a ghost would just walk out in front of your car or you have to slam the brakes on for this woman in wearing white. It would kind of had that feeling to it where you're like, what have they just hit? What was that? What flew at their car? Is this where everything goes horribly wrong? And it's yeah, not, and, but... And even like him getting be. out of the car and the music, when he's going to go and see the deer, the music is just like, what's going to happen to him while he's looking at the deer? And your head's going, well, he's just looking at a deer that's he's hit. Like n- nothing really bad is probably going to happen, but the music is just so... You expect the mm. deer to stand up and charge him or something like it's yeah. There's this real intense dread created by the soundtrack that then, which makes sense later as as we learn a key part of Chris's life. But at the time, is just really unsettling without explaining itself. Yeah. Again, we get some really sophisticated use of the camera, and then we cut to some police have shown up or highway patrol or. I don't understand policing in America. Sheriffs or deputies or whatever they are. And we get racism. 
mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. Uh, Rose has been driving, but the cops want to see Chris's ID. Chris goes into complete get his compliance, idea. yeah, calm compliance mode because he's a black American man. Who knows? Mm-hmm. You don't just make trouble with the police. And Rose goes into white lady, you know, minor Karen mode. Mm. Yeah. Which he actually kind of likes. Like, yeah, it's re- well, she does a good, a really good job in that she's just like, he wasn't driving. He does not need to show you his ID at mm. all. Like. And I mean, I mean, she's right. Mm. Mm-hmm. So we get to the parents' house. It's huge. And one of the first things Chris notices is they've got a black groundskeeper, which is mm-hmm. immediately puts him in an awkward position to not have known that. We meet mm-hmm. Rose's parents, Bradley Whitford playing Dean and Catherine Keener playing Missy. The cast is amazing. Yeah. I and didn't recognise her at first. I, I knew mm. her voice straight away, but she's just aged. It sounds, it sounds really bad, but she's aged normally. So she just, so I didn't recognise her straight away because she still doesn't look like she did 20 years ago like a lot of other actresses do. Yeah. They still, no, they looks... make themselves look the same as they did 20 years ago, where she's just aged normally. So it took me a minute. She still looks great, but yeah, oh, she she's doesn't fantastic. look. Oh, she's fantastic. I'm not saying this 30. in a bad way. I'm, I'm saying no, it as a compliment you and, you know, all props to her for being, you know, aging like a normal person and getting work and still being beautiful mm. and creepy. Mm. <laughs> oh, she's, I mean, she's great and it's just so creepy. But yeah, it's it's it is nice. It's rare, and it's annoying that it's rare to see mm-hmm. a woman who looks her age and just looks like she hasn't had a whole lot of work done to her face. Yeah, um, she looks she looks how she's supposed to look. She's so good in this. So she's a psychiatrist. Bradley Whitford is a neuro neurosurgeon. <laughs> yeah, he's a neurosurgeon. So uh. he seems to be he said I know dodgy neurosurgeons everywhere that's the name of the um the podcast today um, the episode theme and we get we learn a lot um and i love movies any kind of uh thriller or horror suspense movie where they you know you do the house tour because you've got to do the haunted house tour in in your horror movies and we get Useful information as exposition as, as we move through. Rose's brother, Jeremy, who hasn't shown up yet, but he's studying medicine to follow his in his father's footsteps. Um, Dean's father was an athlete whose career highlight was beaten, being beaten by Jesse Owens, the black American runner who then went on to run at the Berlin Olympics in front of Hitler. Mm-hmm. And won gold in front of Hitler, I think. Uh, we have this horrifying moment turning into the kitchen. Well, you don't know that it's horrifying, but it's weird. But my mother loved her kitchen, so we keep a piece of her here as the camera lights on Georgina, played by Betty Gabriel, who also had not done a lot of um, screen work at this point and is amazing in this movie. Yeah. So Georgina is a housekeeper, also a a black woman. Yeah, they're maid, I guess. They yeah. say that she's the housekeeper. She's more a maid. It's mm. it comes across. Yeah, I don't really, I don't really know what the difference is supposed to be. Well, I think, and di- more, mm. yeah, I think that they just like to say housekeeper because it sounds a little bit 
better than saying a maid, I guess. Actually, that is I such think a that's point. All, that, I think yeah. that's probably the only difference actually is that housekeeper just sounds better than yeah. maid. Exactly. Dean addresses the white family black servants thing um, up front and says that they had been both hired to care for his parents when they were older and after his parents passed away, they just couldn't bear to let them go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's pretty – let's mention now that these two characters, so Georgina and Walter, the um, mm-hmm. groundskeeper, look weird. They look dead in their eyes. They, they look almost robotic. There's something wrong. Okay, Georgina reminded me of some of the manga drawings by this artist, um, Junji Ito. He is – Oh, One okay. of the like the most well known horror manga illustrators, and there's just something oh. about her her smile just being frozen and her wide eyes that really reminded me of his drawings and gave me this yeah this real sense of just discomfort every time she was on screen. Things felt wrong. She felt wrong. Yeah, her eyes don't match the rest of her expressions, I would mm. I would say. Yeah. So yeah, incredible. Yeah, she looks off. She looks off. Yeah. Walter looks off as well. Yeah. Like Yeah. In this conversation we learn that Chris doesn't have parents. His mum passed away as the result of a hit and run when he was a child. Mm-hmm. Which gives us context about the whole deer situation and why that's so tense for him. Yeah. But it's also just something to store away in the back of your mind as the plot yeah. progresses. We need it for later on. And we learn another couple of key things. that In Missy's work, she does a lot of hypnosis mm-hmm. to assist people with problems like uh, quitting you know, giving smoking. up cigarettes. Yeah. yeah. And I know that that's a real thing. Someone I used to work with went on to become a hypnotist who specifically works on those kinds of triggers. It doesn't sure. work quite the way it works in this movie. No. It's like no. this This isn't what happens. But look, not the point. And we also learn that there's a big family and friends get together at the house that Rose apparently has completely forgotten happens on the same weekend yeah. every year. And this is the first time I kind of went, hmm, about Rose because I felt it was a little – She she played it up a little bit too much that she didn't know it was going on. Mm-hmm. It was a little bit too much. Oh, is that this weekend? It was just a little bit. It kind the of back and forth. Mm. Yeah, my it just made me kind of feel a little bit like, hmm, really? You mm-hmm. really didn't know? Hmm. It just mm. it, it made me feel a little bit sus about her. Yep. Yeah. And we meet we meet Jeremy, the douchebag brother. I mean, he yeah, just comes he on screen and immediately unstable and off. His unstable, head. unpleasant. <laughs> He's got a bruise around the eye that's never directly addressed mm. by anyone in in the thing. So Jeremy's played by Caleb Landry Jones, who's been in a lot of things and has been, yeah, has played a variety of uh, pleasant and less pleasant characters. He's a really good character mm-hmm. actor, and he is. Mm-hmm. Just really uncomfortable in this. Tries to sort of, uh, you know, tells borderline inappropriate to actually inappropriate stories over dinner. Um, talks about Chris's, you know, genetic makeup and physical structure and how, you know, he could 
trained to be, I think he calls it, does he say a beast or an animal? A beast. But he, yeah, yeah, he says it's, a beast. It's not Wait, cool. Which is very, very interesting because I think if he was white, he would have probably said gladiator or something along. Oh, totally. Those yeah. lines. Um, yeah, yeah, there's racial, there's, there's incredibly racist yeah, undertones there's just in, undertones in that. Deliberately. Yeah. Yeah. And it's another scene at the dinner when Jeremy really starts to be racist and cross those lines that you see Chris being very calm and, and very good at diffusing the tension. He's like, no, I don't, you know, I don't get into fights with people who've been drinking. You know, we don't do wrestling. Mm-hmm. And then after dinner, Rose, you know, goes through all of the microaggressions that her family have performed at Chris, have, have put Chris through um, and rages a little bit about, you know, their racism. Mm-hmm. And Chris yep. is calm. He 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 doesn't get fired up. He doesn't he doesn't react. But later he can't sleep, and so he goes outside to have a, you know, have a smoke and clear his head. And this is when I one, jumped. I yes, jumped. The film is genuinely moving into creepy moment territory where Chris is outside and. Well, I think he's still walking down the hall. Is he walking down the hall? Oh, he's walking down the hall and we do see that Missy is up. The part part where he's outside. No, he just walk, he's walking down the hallway and you see Georgina scurry behind him (gasps) and the, and the strings go, and I shit myself. (laughs) And yeah, then he goes outside and there's more, more stuff that goes on. But, yeah, it, he was Thank just you, walking yes. out of the room and walking down the hall and you see and she kind of scurries in a creepy yeah. ghosty way. Yeah. And it was just yeah. prior to this. So I think it was the scene before that I won't say it now, but I sussed out what was going on and I wrote it, I wrote it down. I yep. wrote it down yeah. here. And kind of worked out what was going on. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, no. And I do think, I think at this point it's all coming together. It's all coming together. I think the film sets up really well how, where things are going. I didn't think it was too obvious. I just felt like, no, he's laying out what's happening. Mm -hmm. And, and then it happens. So, yeah. Sorry. That, that. Again, Georgina is almost like there's a lot of uh, Japanese horror about yeah. her performance because then he's outside know, and she's she's up in a window and she's I think looking she's, she's looking at her own like reflection she's out, but she's stroking her face in the reflection. You know how you get with a, a window when you've got the lights on inside and it's dark outside, so you can just see the reflection. It's a weird, creepy moment that isn't easily explained by what we know yet. Yeah. And we have and Walter <laughs> coming out of the trees and running full pelt straight at Chris and mm. we get a reaction shot of Chris and we cut and Walter is not slowing down or a, like visually showing on his face that he recognizes that he's going to run straight into Chris is he is he going to like take Chris out? And it's this really tense moment of what the fuck is happening. And then mm. right before it gets to Chris, he just veers off. Mm. It's weird. It's very yeah, unsettling the, at this point. That Chris was the moment really... that confirmed for me that my suspicions yeah. 
were correct. Were correct, yeah. <laughs> because the foreshadowing has been seeded. Yeah. So Chris goes back inside and Missy's in her op- lurking in her office and turns on a light and they have a bit of a talk about how he's been out having a smoke. Mm. She invites him in. And at this point, like in my notes, I've noticed that, that, that Daniel Kalu, he's such a relaxed and charming presence and he's incredible in this next scene. Mm. where they start to talk about the the hypnosis process. Um, Missy gets out. She's got her, her teacup and her spoon and starts mm. rhythmically clinking the spoon. Yeah. And so earlier um, the day before when they were all sitting outside, they were just having iced tea outside and I actually clocked because it's all not me just thinking, oh, I'm so good at noticing stuff. It was presented to us. Um, yeah. perfectly that she was the way she was stirring her iced tea was a focal point in previous scenes so yeah the minute she starts stirring her tea in this scene you're like okay she's using That's that it. to she's using that to hypnotize him yeah because they joke about the swinging watch and and she starts mm. stirring and you're like okay yeah that's what's happening such good sound design too because the sound you would it is front and center in a way that a piece of foley like stirring a a, a teacup is not normally and they yeah. they make that the focus of of the sound so you know immediately like yep this is what's happening it's great sound design because it does draw your attention to it in the same way that you can you hear it and notice it in the iced tea scene mm-hmm. in a way that if you're not meant to notice it it, it would be buried in the mix so you, and you see in Daniel Kalu's performance as he moves from being the sort of just relaxed, normal Chris to being more suggestible and becomes emotional as I start talking about his mother dying and mm. how she died. And it, like it's an incredible scene for, mm. for a performer, the, the shift he goes through. And then Missy's, you know, giving more suggestions about remembering and getting into the head state of the night he... His mother died and he was at home watching TV. He was 11, and then guys. He was 11. He was a child. He's not responsible at all, but he still feels guilt about that. And then what happens is we, we go into the full, we have our full sort of supernatural moment where he falls into the sunken place. Mm. And it's absolutely terrifying. Mm. And as a sort of... As a new horror concept, it's incredible, but just that he's he's been pushed back. He's he's not in control of his body anymore. He's mm. in this abyss where he can just see out his own eyes. And we get that, I think, what is now an iconic shot of him just rigid in the chair, unable to move with tears streaming out of his very wide eyes. It's incredible. Mm. Like as, a, as an so iconic horror moment. red as well, like... Yeah. So red. The whites of his eyes are like blood red at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So Chris is – we've been introduced to the sunken place. It's genuinely upsetting and, and it's been confirmed for us that, yeah, that this – you know, but we know because it's a horror movie. But, yes, very bad things are happening to Chris. The family are doing very bad things. And then Chris wakes up the next morning – in the same clothes. So we have that confirmation that, no, that wasn't a dream sequence. That really happened. Yeah. But he doesn't really remember it. He knows he no, had weird he, dreams. It's he later remembers on being he hypnotized. Kind of, 
Yeah, he no, he kind of later on goes, I think your mum hypnotised me because I, I can't even think of having a cigarette without feeling like I need to vomit. And I know, remember bumping into her last night. That's basically mm. it for his memory. All he remembers. Kind of mm. knowing what's gone on. So the next day, mm. it's, it's going to be the... Um, the, the party, the get-together that they're having that, that honours the grandfather did it every year and so they, they're keeping up tradition and yada, yada, yada. But in a really mm. creepy way, everybody arrives at the exact same time in like yeah. a procession of black cars just streaming in. So it's not like a normal party where someone arrives and parks and then maybe someone else turns up and then 10 minutes later someone else comes. It's like a procession of black cars just streaming yeah. in through the gates. Another weird thing that happens right before that, and yeah, that is a creepy, creepy moment that everyone arrives Yeah, you know that this time. isn't a normal kind of party. Chris goes over to talk to Walter and he immediately – this is something called code switching where he slips into African-American and vernacular English where basically, you know, he's living in two cultures. He's got Chris that he presents to white people and, you know, probably in business settings and mm-hmm. he's got Chris who talks how he talks to other black Americans. So he immediately just slips into – AVE and Walter speaks like he's from another place or time and it's just deeply off and Chris is very confused by by this interaction yeah so I kind of because he doesn't doesn't remember what just happened so he's speaking like he's from a different era and like an Mm -hmm. old man but it could also be interpreted as someone really simple the yeah, way possibly. It's, yeah. I kind of found, like, you could either look at it that he's being, he's speaking in an old-timey way or he's not very intelligent and it's, yeah, he's a bit, a bit simple. It's giving Chris just enough leeway to think, this is weird, but maybe yeah. it's just weird. He doesn't know he's yes. in a horror movie yet. No, yeah. not yet. No. Soon. Not Soon yet. Soon he will know. <laughs> He will know soon. <laughs> and also because he's been – Chris is really good at minimising tension and, you know, avoiding conflict. And so we then get what are, what is quite funny but also just, yeah, gross. Sequence of scenes where he's introduced to um, Rose's parents and grandparents' friends and they're yeah. all really racist in that I'm not racist. I love black people. I'm just going to treat them like they're objects and I'm still better than them. But but that's fine, right? Like he's groped and he's asked about how good he is at golf and everyone is extremely creepy to him. This is when I've written down here um, because all the guys seem quite frail and old and yeah. things are failing and their wives are the ones that they just kind of walk up and start groping him. And yeah. knowing what I knew about it having a connection with the Stepford wives, I've written down, are we at an auction for sick old men? Yes. Y- yeah. Yes. Like, I kind of went, what's like, going on here? Like they, And these women are asking like 
intimate things like to Rose saying like, is yeah. sex good? And they're just, I just, this is like, I feel like there's a little bit of body snatching about to happen. Yeah, there is. Mm-hmm. Our friend, your new American boyfriend, Lakit Stanfield, pops up in a weird outfit. Like very, we, he's, again, great performance in only a couple scenes. The outfit is very different. The way he talks is very different. Noticeably, he's got a hat quite low on his forehead, which is important. And he dresses and talks like an old man. And I think this happens just before I'd kind of had written down. Is this an auction for sick old men? Because I feel like yeah. we've just met him and he now, I've written, I literally wrote down Logan, mm-hmm. which is the name, Logan from the start, he now looks like an old dude. <laughs> like, yeah. He's and acting and dressing like an old man. And then you've got all these old men and women groping Chris and that's when I was just kind of like, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I think we're in a bit of trouble here. Yes. Yeah. Like he's hunched, he holds himself like an old person even though he's young. We have that weird um, fist bump fail where Chris puts his <laughs> fist out for a fist bump and Logan just grabs it. <laughs> like it's like it's a, it's a handshake. It's so – it's creepy and wrong. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, are, we, are we at a slave auction? Yeah. 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 Stephen Root pops up who is an actor I am always thrilled to see. Mm. So he's the he's Jim Hudson, the blind art dealer, um, and we have an interesting, quick conversation between him and Chris, who is an art photographer. And then we have another incredibly creepy scene where Chris goes back into the house where the party's still happening on the ground floor, and he heads upstairs. And as soon as he's halfway up the stairs, everyone goes silent. All conversation stops, and all eyes move to watch him moving around upstairs and again it's it's just confirming that yeah, yeah this it's is actually creepy. all about him and yeah, it's they're all there creepy. for him and it's weird it's, it's weird really, and it's weird yeah and unsettling chris, really really unsettling so chris finds his phone unplugged for the second time and it's gone dead he plugs it in and gets enough charge to call rod and tell rod and Rod immediately recognises that Chris is in a horror movie. Mm. Like He's Rod like, is, is the best. White people love making people sex slaves. That's, that's what he's just like, <laughs> this is not good. <laughs> They're going to make you a sex slave. You need I to mean, get out. And then he starts going into this big long spiel about Jeffrey Dahmer and how he used to fuck heads and stuff. And it's, it's just, it's, it's perfect. Mwah. Chef's kiss for Rod. He is... Hands down, the best character. Rod's amazing. Yeah, Rod is Rod is the audience in, audience insert character who knows it's a horror movie and knows that this is all like Chris, get out. Yeah, uh, Rod's, yeah. yeah, Rod's incredible. And Georgina pops up again. Chris thinks Georgina has been deliberately unplugging his phone to um, yeah, so he hasn't got so reception. That'll go flat. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is almost certainly what she was scurrying to do. Hmm. Probably. And then comes in and apologises. And again, like, it's an amazing performance. She's so deeply creepy. When Chris says that, you know, they, they have they have their, their interaction, but he says, you know, if there's too many white people, I get nervous. And she laughs, but she's 
but she's crying in a way that is not laughing so hard you're crying. She starts to cry, like really cry. Yeah. And then laughs and something is breaking through. Mm. And it's it's an amazing short performance. Yeah. Yep. And then because she quickly switches back into, oh, that's not doesn't happen to me here. They treat me like family and does her weird, creepy, dead eye smile and scurries yeah. off again. So Chris goes back outside. He takes a photo of Logan, the Lakeith Stanfield yeah, character. Yeah, because he, he, he says to mm. Rod later, there's this guy, like earlier I think it was, it was I this know, guy yeah, here. Mm. I know him. I know mm. him. And so he's having a discussion then with this guy, Logan, and um, so he gets his phone out to try and covertly take a photo a of this guy to send to Rod to be like, who is this dude kind of thing? Yeah, do I recognise him? Like, what's going on? Yeah. and But also check out this guy in this outfit. It's very weird. <laughs> yeah. And the flash goes off and something happens and Logan, something breaks through and his nose starts bleeding, the classic horror movie moment of something's gone wrong in your brain, and he starts and he shouts the title of the film. Always love when a movie puts the title of the movie in the movie somewhere. Yeah, it's But so he's screaming, good. get out, get out. He just loses it. And he's crying it. and he's lost it. And he's not the version of the of, – he's not Logan, the weird no. old young man we just met. He's, he's flashback to Andre, the actual yeah, person he's he Dre. is. So it's described as a seizure, a seizure. Mm. And then we get confirmation that as Chris and Rose go off to have a talk, because Chris is, is now starting to think that Rod's right and maybe he actually is in a horror movie and this is mm, This isn't worse. Good because he, worse he knows what a seizure looks like. That wasn't a seizure. That's not a seizure. Family have rushed him off to hypnotize him, so that's happened. Mm. Um, so because I did think that like, was really interesting that that Chris definitely must pick on the fact that we've got a neurosurgeon, but it's mm. the psychologist who takes him off to look at him. It's like mm, if it was really a seizure, that's not that. That's not a seizure. It was yeah. something. Yeah. Rose separates Chris. From the crowd and bingo, it's a silent auction. I like know, literally and silent. So creepy. Not I know because what a silent auction Sean, is. Sean straight away was like, oh, "We're right. It's it's an auction. It's an auction. It's happening." Yeah. And then he then he was like, oh, "It's a silent auction." Because I hadn't noticed it was a silent auction. I was still there was music over the top of it, and I thought maybe we mm. just weren't hearing. But then the music kind of dulls down and you can really tell that there's hand signals and a full on the bingo cards yeah it's yeah it's full on and there's a big picture of creepy there next to it and the dad's auctioning him off yes and that's i mean it's white people making their wealth off black bodies once again so yeah look it's not subtle at this point i find that i don't think it should be in a way I think this is the point where I turned to Sean and I said, I find it really interesting in that these people are willing to um, become black people and mm-hmm. and be black themselves, yet they also just find black people so disposable that, that we can just do this to them. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, just, it's yeah. so 
oh. complicated. It's so complex yes. that, and that's it. I think yeah. at the core of the movie is that racism isn't simple. No. This version of racism where you're stealing black people's lives and bodies. Because you think they're disposable and that you just and But you also can. you recognise that they're better than you at certain yeah. things. But that, and you ultimately, that ultimately you'll, you're in a position where you will just take it from them. You'll t- literally mm-hmm. take their lives and their bodies. That's America, yeah. baby. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. to an extent, also Australia. Oh. That's what it is. So Chris talks to Rose about his mother's death and gets quite emotional. She really, this is one of the scenes where when you go into the movie, you're not sure where Rose fits into this and if she knows what her family are doing. And when you, Mm. spoiler, know that she does know what her family are doing. You really notice in her interactions with Chris, this is a scene where she's fully pushing his buttons and presses him to this point where they say they love each other, possibly for the first time. You know, he says he's got to get, he's got to go. And she's like, you're going to leave me here. And so he ends up talking about his mother's death. And then, you know, that Rose is the only person he has. Earlier in some of their interactions, when he talks about things that are weird, like her brother and her parents, in the first viewing, I felt like she was paying attention because she cared. And in the second viewing, it really feels like there's a layer to her performance that is she's taking notes for next time. Right. You know? Okay. Like it yeah, really I, felt like watching it that she was paying attention the whole to movie, I what did we do wrong? Yeah, I kind of flip-flopped with her going, I wasn't sure if she was in on it or, or not. But by the time the auction happened, mm. I kind of went – so she just bringing up a boyfriend every year for to be auctioned off, and then you kind of later on find out that it's probably more frequent than yes every year. <laughs> just because they said that this party happens every year doesn't mean that that was I know. true. <laughs> well, that's where I, I had I'm the same the thought. Where guys <gasps> they do like, this. This is every year. <laughs> they, I thought that too. That <gasps> they do this every year, and then later I'm like. You idiot. You can't believe anything they say. They do this every no. like, four or five months. Four, like five it's months. happening yeah. you as frequently like as one of the months. children yeah, yes. can bring someone in. But Chris does get enough phone reception and battery to send that photo to Rod, who's to like, Rod. calls him. And again, we have a great scene where he's like, yeah, I know him. That's Dre. He's so-and-so's sister's brother's cousin, whatever. Yeah, um, then he They know each up. other. Yeah, he's a noted jazz musician who's been missing but for no, five he's months. Been missing for, he's been missing for six, six – okay, so, so he's six been months. missing six months and we find out really early on that Rose and Chris have been together for five months. So yes. there's about a six-month turnaround for her. Between. Yeah. Between. Well, no, she didn't steal him. The brother stole him. Jeremy just grabbed yeah. him off the street. Oh, see mm. – I don't know. His first Do you phone think there call. Were two? I think he was on the phone to Rose <gasps> because he kind of says, "Where have you sent me, baby?" Like he has been sent to that location, and he says, "Baby," and he's he's like fully having to find directions and on the phone to someone, and they're giving him directions, and then he hangs yeah. up and he says, "Baby." So I feel Rose has sent him to this suburb as he says you're making me walk around this suburb um and then the car comes and snatches him he's been set up 
I never made that connection that that might be her. I always felt like, oh, he's talking to his girlfriend, and I never actually thought of that. No, it's her Good baby. Pick up. So I should have known that when you get a character actor of the caliber of Stephen Root, that he's not just going to be in one scene. Stephen Root buys Chris's body. Mm-hmm. He won the auction. Ugh. Can we just go and back to when when Rod yep. finds out? So Rod finds out that it's um he's been missing, and yep. he yells out. I don't know whether he calls. I didn't write down whether he called Chris back, or he just kind of just. I think he's on the computer and he sees that he's missing, and he just yells out, "Sex slave!" Like he <laughs> he he's so sure that this is sex slavery is going on yeah. down. In Upper Upper Pennsylvania or wherever they are. Wherever we are. New Hampshire or somewhere. (laughs) I mean, he's not wrong though, is he? Rod is right about everything. Yeah, Rod is Rod is the the comic relief and he's right about everything and he's the only one who recognises that they're in a horror movie and he's great. So Chris has convinced Rose that they have to leave and just as he's packing his bag in her room, he sees this creepy little door... And I'm still torn about whether or not this door is open on purpose or not. But Mm. Chris has a look because he's in a horror movie and he finds a little box of photos of Rose with her exes and she's dated a lot of black guys if you – and also prints out the photos like an old-timey person, but whatever. She's dated a lot of black guys and – I need this to go. We need to watch that again and see told, if we can him. and see if we can find a picture of um, of Dre in the in her photos. Yeah, I don't remember that, but you know who we do get a picture of her with, Georgina. Yes, and Walter. I think I spotted Walter in there too. Yeah, and Chris is just like, no, nah, we're getting out now. We got to go. Got to go. Got to go. He gets downstairs, Jeremy's blocking the front door with his lacrosse stick or pole or whatever they're called. Dean gives his creepy speech by the fire about humans being like gods or whatever. You know, his creepy villain justification for why he's a terrible racist who steals people's bodies and makes money off it. Yeah. And Rose is still keeping up the – she's looking for the keys. She can't find the car keys. She can't find the car keys. And this is the moment where Chris puts together that actually, no, she's in on it too. Yeah, And she she turns and admits it. And great performance from Alison Williams because you can be on the fence. Like I think, yeah, we both decided at this point that, nah, she's got to be in on it, right? But you could be mm. on the fence the yeah, whole time. Yeah, but I think time. too, I think too, even though I'd already kind of decided, there was still a mm. part of me when she's searching for her keys and she's doing it in such a frantic way and she's yeah seems to be freaking out that this is happening with her family and she's freaking out um, yeah. that you kind of think, oh, does, does she, is she really trying to get him out? Like you start to kind of... I felt that she was really on and on and then she was really like, yeah, we need to get out. We need to get out now. And you kind of think, yeah. oh, has she clued maybe. on to what's going on? Maybe, maybe. But then when she gets the keys and she goes, why would I give these to you? Like I can't, you give, kind you know, of think, I can't give this oh. to you, babe. And you're like, oh, no. <sighs> and he's back in the sunken place. 
and then we she's cut. got a she got a bloody teacup out that friggin' teacup. Yeah. But it's great. Like she she's incredible, and it was really interesting watching it a second time, knowing for sure that she was in on it, and watching her performance and seeing those interactions yeah. that Chris is going to I read, and a first time audience that. will read one way, and another yeah. yeah. Love it's one it. of my favourite so things good. to do is to re-watch a movie that's like this to go back and you can pick up on absolutely everything. Like mm-hmm. and you can read the tone completely differently and it's so good. It's so satisfying. Yeah, going in knowing what we know about Georgina and Walter and what we know about the whole family, it was a really satisfying second watch. Yeah, so she pretty much just says, I, I can't give you these keys. And the mum hits the teacup three times and he just drops to the floor. Out. Bang. Yeah. And threw it. This scene's happening at night. And then we cut to the next scene where Rod is on his break at the TSA in full sunlight. And you're like, oh, no. Time's like a decent amount of time. We see Rod. We I see know. him come home. Well, not come home, but come to Chris's apartment. Yeah, you panic. It's a long time. Yeah, like at least another day since we know Chris has been fully abducted, has passed. No, this is when he does the search for Dre. Yeah, this is when he works Um, it out. And this is also when the Microsoft product placement becomes extremely obvious that we've seen Chris using like a a Microsoft tablet and a phone. Uh And then when Rod's using Bing, I'm like, oh, no. I didn't notice at all. I didn't notice at all. It meant nothing to me. I don't think I me. noticed it. I don't think I noticed it the first time I watched it, but this time I'm like, it's a bit. No, no one has this many Microsoft products. Not, no one. <laughs> Not in real life. So we, yeah, spend a bit of time with with um, Rod, really starting to panic along with Rod that, oh no, this is this has gone very south. And then we come back to Chris tied in a chair to, in a chair in this like very old fashioned room. That you pretty quickly work out, oh, this is the basement that, that was he was locked, just told yeah. that they've had to close up, close up because of black mould. Mm-hmm. And the stag head on the wall and the old furniture. And then we a have... A really old TV. A really, really, really old, old TV. TV. And then we have just a massive exposition dump. So we've avoided huge amounts of exposition in the first, like, two acts of the movie. But in the third act, and I do think this is the the weakest act, although I do think this is an excellent movie overall. But we do get a huge amount of exposition at this point just to be like, okay. Yeah. Thanks for watching, guys. Here's what's happening. And we have this instructional video with the Roman Armitage, uh, Dean's father, coming on. And, and, and it's a great framing device, actually, for doing a huge dump of exposition. Mm. Is this kind of a – your characters are getting it in, a, in an interesting way. But it, what's it called? So, yeah, your natural gifts and our determination is one of those quotes that's uh, – that's your mm-hmm. creepy racism. Yep. Your natural gifts. You're good, but you're not – and it all comes Us. back. It all comes back to the grandfather wanting to be as good as um, Jesse Owens. Jesse Owens. Mm-hmm. It's all it comes. Yep. That's where it all kind of circles around to. He wants can't to handle be, that he wasn't as good as a black yeah. man. Yeah. So he wants to become that black man. Coagula is what they call the thing, which is gross sounding. Coagula. Like coagulating like blood, like become oh, also like okay. Caligula. Yeah, they're both. Yeah, 
And then we cut back to Rod and Rod's trying, he keeps trying to call Chris. Um, we also get quite a bit of exposition from Rod, but look, just as for Rod, he was right the whole time. Yeah. He goes to the police, he gets laughed at and he's like, that right, I'm TSA. Funny. I'm going to sort it out myself then. Yeah. And at some point, Rose turns on Chris's phone and she talks to Rod and Rod Rod calls her. Again, Alison Williams' amazing performance where she's literally just doing it all with her voice because we see her face and she's blank, completely mm. blank, like nothing's there. She's the creepiest of the whole family. Mm. And she looks yeah, different. She's got her a, hair tied a up. Bunch of so I know and she's dressed differently. She's the horrible got this turtleneck. Weird, yeah, and and later on too, she wears like this school shirt, button up shirt kind of thing that she wears, and it's just bizarre. She's mm. completely different. Yeah, so she calls Rod, and Rod's kind of onto her, and mm-hmm. wants because she starts going like she almost tries to hit on. Rod to distract him and he goes yeah, to record as as, her. Yeah. yeah. Then she mm. she changes again and he, he just hangs up. She's like, she's a genius. She's a fucking genius kind of thing. He's like, it's so I good. know this is God, really bad so what's going on, but, but God, she's good at what, whatever the fuck she's trying to do. She's good at yeah. it. Yeah, she's one step ahead. Yeah. And it all now uh, starts to come together. Sorry. And the Go guy that, that wants him, who's the art dealer, knew who he was before he even mm-hmm. came to the auction and wants his eyes, wants his sight, wants his um his, his artistic ability he wants. He wants to to latch onto that. And he says that in this weird kind of Chris is sitting there tied up to the, the chair and he's having to watch and have this interaction with this person who's paid to steal his body and soul, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, to steal so, his experience, to steal his blackness, to steal his artistic skill. Yeah. To take every, everything he is. Yeah. So, yeah, He's, this is framed as part of the process of successfully transplanting Stephen Root's character's brain. Yeah, and but they say they, they leave have to, a slither of – they have to leave a slither or something. Yeah, just enough to – I don't know. But basically confirmed that, yeah, Chris is going to be trapped in his body in the sunken place forever watching Stephen Root carry it around and live his life. So that happens and then we notice that um, Chris is sitting there at, on like tied up to this leather chair and he starts picking at the this kind of like the stuffing of the chair. Of the chair. Like he can pick at the stuffing of the chair. And That's straight away, do. straight away, my husband went, stuff it in your ears, stuff it in your ears. <laughs> I, was, I was like, and I looked at him and went, what are you talking about? And then I kind of went, oh, because great idea. Telling Chris this stuff through the TV and then cutting to a video of the teacup and he's out again. Yes. So, yeah. And so then everything, shit really gets real. We get to see the basement. Um Operating theatre. I know they've Stephen started Root's operating. Yeah. They've yep, started cut, cutting his head open. 
Oh, God, he it's keeps, so gross. He keeps, like, throwing more and more of the top of his head in the bin. It happens, like, three times. And I remember thinking, yeah, how much scalp does this guy have? Like, there's three separate occasions where we see them take his scalp off and put it in the bin. But anyway. It's so gross. <laughs> yeah, it kept happening. I'm like, why is this still happening? Well, maybe they did, Jeremy like, off. the hair yeah, and then, know. yeah, and then the no, scalp, but anyway. shaved. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, true. Hmm. So he sends Jeremy off with a wheelchair to get Chris, who's, we go in the room. Knocked out from the teacup, knocked out. apparently. Mm-hmm. And I love how this scene beautifully mirrors our opening scene where we see the car come in. Mm. And then and then we lose track of the car and we've mm. lost track of our um attacker. Cause Jeremy comes in with the wheelchair. And we're following Chris and we move around and we're watching Chris in the chair. And then Jeremy turns and we cut and we lose sight of Chris. And then mm. we see a bocce ball. Yeah. And then we see Chris smack Jeremy in the back of the head with the bocce ball. Okay. And, and this is this is the point of the movie that I, for the first time in a long time, started yelling at the TV. <laughs> like it. I was like, hit him, hit him, hit him. And even my I mean, husband's like, even Sean's like, keep hitting him, keep hitting him. And, oh. Yeah. Violence is bad, but Jeremy then, is worse. But then and he pulls It's so satisfying. He pulls the stuff in the ears. cotton out of his ears because that's what he's done. He did it. He he stuffed his ears. And I understand why he had to pull it out to show us that that's what he yes. had done. And that's why he wasn't hypnotized with the teacup tapping and all of that. Yes. Hula badula. But um, because he's in a horror we movie. Also we also were then going. Escaped. Put, put it, it back, back in. in your ears. Put it back. It's not over yet, put it mate. Back it's in. not over yet. Do, do not get rid You're of still the, in- the cotton. You're still in the basement, dude. I know. But you're yeah. not out yet. But yeah, I was so happy to see Jeremy just like, and then when we get the shot of him on the ground and the blood, it's like, yes, good. He's bleeding really badly from the head. Oh. Good. Mm. I wanted that character to die. He was the worst. Yeah, he's a psychopath. The, They're so, all psychopaths. Yeah, so the violence here is like just so Baroque and over the top. Like it's it's wild because yeah, but it's also done in a way where it's not overly graphic. I found like I thought it was because the next part is you've got the the dad. He's out in the hallway going, Jeremy, where are you, Jeremy? Why isn't Jeremy back yet? What's going on? It's taking Stephen Root's brain too, is like fully too much exposed, time. Yeah. I've put three loads of his scalp in the bin. <laughs> like Jeremy. Where, where's where is Jeremy and he's out in the th- and you and again you don't really see what's about to happen and then all of a sudden Chris just kind of spears him with some deer antlers antlers just like it's- right through but it, it is it's so graphic and like ah in a way but also you don't really see it in a way either mm. it's done spectacularly in that way yeah. that like it's not you- super visceral no, you get the real like, Ugh, but you don't see too much. So a fire starts in the operating theatre just to escalate the tension because it's a horror movie. Um, mm-hmm. Georgina's in the kitchen. Chris is just trying to get out. We have this great shot where um, he and Missy are in the same room and they like dash for the teacup like it's I a I know, gun. and that's another part. I was like, because as soon as he walked in there and I saw the teacup sitting there and before it even became a focal point I started yelling at the TV the teacup get break the cup 
break the cup, break the cup. Like you get this part of the movie, I was just constantly yelling urgently for what they should need to be doing next. Like break the teacup. Ah! He breaks the teacup. Teacup yes. is broken. How much fun is it in a movie when you're this invested that you are just like screaming at the characters yeah, it's, to do it's the things? So though. good, and it hasn't yeah. happened in a long time. And then he stabs the mum. Yes, I forgot that fabulous. she got the knife through his hand, but he manages yes. to get her with the knife, and it's like, yeah, good. And then fucking Jeremy shows up again. He's not dead. Uh, and that's yeah. Sean said, I knew he didn't hit him enough. <laughs> like it was just like, well, that's it. it. We didn't see him die. Yeah, we just saw him. Wasn't quite enough. Mm. We come but, back to Rose, Chris, who's upstairs. But Chris stomps him to death, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty great. Rose is upstairs. She's got her headphones in. Uh, this is, if you didn't already know, she was a psychopath. She's got her cereal and her milk separate, and so she's eating her Fruit Loops mm. and drinking the milk separately and cyber-stalking potential new victims. Mm. So Chris gets out of the house, gets in Jeremy's car, and on his With way run, out, rabbit, run, rabbit, playing still. Ugh. It's like the only song Jeremy listens to, apparently. Yeah, God, they're also creepy and weird. And he hits Georgina with his car, and he knows at this point that that's, you know, there's a white lady in that woman's body. But he hits her with his car, and mm. because of how his mum died, he can't just leave her there, even though he should. And then Rose comes downstairs with a rifle and starts like fucking shooting. Yeah, so he gets he puts Georgina in the car with him though, which is a which is a error of judgment. Oh, error. Oh, that's right. And Rose comes down and confirms it for anyone who hasn't caught up at this point. <gasps> grandma. Yeah, it says grandma. No, you've turned not grandma. <laughs> and so unfortunately, then yeah, Georgina uh, comes to and starts attacking Chris, and they crash the car because she's attacking him while he's driving. And Rose and Walter catch up and she's all like, get him, Grandpa. Just, you know, again, to really. <laughs> I mean, also, but she is a weird psychopath who's like stealing people and having brains transplanted into their bodies. So the fact that she talks like a weirdo is fine. And so, and because Walter's a very fast runner, like, which is sort of the whole point, he does catch Chris, but Chris uses his phone flash to wake him flash up. him, wake him up. Yeah. Walter convinces Rose to give him the gun so he can shoot Chris. But then mm-hmm. he shoots Rose through the gut and then himself. It's deeply, it's full on. It's full it on. It is full on. It is full on. It's kind of comes, is still going and she's going to grab the gun. And so he kicks the gun away and he tries to strangle her, but he can't quite do it. He can't and bring himself to do it. And she's. She tries to do the whole, like, I'm sorry. Yeah. But then she just, yeah, she, she. As he's starting to choke her, she just goes into her like her psycho smiley mode and he can't do it. Yeah. Oh. Ugh. Ugh. So then the police show up. Well, we think it's the police. We see flashing lights and Rose straight away starts going, help me, help me, please help me. And you think, oh, no, poor Weaponizing. Chris. Yeah, it's going to just fucked. end up in jail and, oh, it's not good, but... No. Weaponized white femininity. But no, it's the TS motherfucking A. It's Rod. Yeah, it's Rod. Chris gets in the car and I'm sure Rod was just like, we get shit done. Consider this handled. Yes. And they yes, drive that's, off. That's it. It's like, how did you find me? It's like, I'm the TS motherfucking A. We handle shit. Consider this <laughs> Consider shit handled. This handled. Like, Rod. 
yes. the true MVP of this movie. Yes. And then at the very so that's the end. And then my that's husband the turned me in and he's like, oh, Chris is probably still going to go to jail. And I was just like, no, no, no. This is just going to look like Walter's gone crazy. Yeah. Because he shot her and then shot himself. himself. Yeah. Hopefully she dies. Hopefully she doesn't. No, there's a shot help. where the light really goes out of her eyes. It does. I feel it's confirmed in the movie that she's dead. Okay. She really oh, kind of goes I hadn't thought of that until till that minute and thought, oh, no. Yeah. Although I wonder if grandma's dead in the car. Hmm. I can't remember. Maybe she'll have internal bleeding. Let's hope she died. Let's just hope everyone has died. (laughs) And Chris is A-okay. Chris, Rod and the dog are okay and that's what matters. Would you like to know about the alternate ending that was written for this movie? (gasps) I would love to. Well, you pretty much predicted it. The alternate ending was that the cops show up and it is two white cops and they arrest Chris. And that the mm. final scene is Rod visiting Chris in prison and Chris can't remember in, because of the hypnotism. He doesn't remember enough of the story. He knows he did it in self-defence, but he can't prove it because the house burned down and he doesn't remember everything. And so it ends really downbeat that he's gone to jail for this, but at least he's resigned. He's resigned to his fate, but he knows that he stopped it. Whatever it was, right. he ended it. And that was the original ending. Oh, but when okay. making yeah, the that's... film, when actually they – yeah. Yeah, extremely that's depressing. A, that's a bit of a downer. Yeah. It is a much better ending that Rod just gets to go the yes. mother, motherfucking TSA. Like much much more depressing, probably more <laughs> realistic, but the ending with Rod I'm like, "Oh no, I'm really glad yeah, that." Yeah, but do Rod we want do we want our him. movies to be completely realistic with their endings? No. Well, not this one. No. I'm really <laughs> glad we got this ending. I'm really glad Chris got away. I'm really glad they leaned into Rod as both comic relief but also Hero. A person who should not be underestimated. Chris yeah. and Rod were they had been underestimated by the evil white people and they mm. and they did escape. Yeah. And I'm I'm really happy with that movie. ending. But there you go. Was so such good. A good. I love movie. this movie. Yeah, it was a really good movie. It's yeah. one I've wanted to watch for a really long time and then I kind of mm. held off knowing that we were doing the podcast because like oh, I wanna watch it for the first time and talk about it for the first time but yeah, yeah. It's, it's so good it really mm-hmm. it really held up to what I was um hoping it would be if a if a horror movie or a good um thriller can't be rewatched and you can't get more and have a new experience watching it the second time then it wasn't good this yeah. was great because I got so much out of um how the plot was set up and and how those performances were approached particularly I was Alison Williams was excellent um just the way she seems to have really approached playing Rose, so that it really does feel like there's two layers going on. Mm. Daniel Kaluuya is just—he's incredibly, he's charismatic. He's—he's—it's an amazing performance, particularly that scene where he's being hypnotized. Yeah, and Betty Gabriel as Georgina. Like everyone in this movie is good. Ah, she's so she's a and she's a ah, she's a genius. I don't really have any gossip. Jordan Peele yeah. is married to Chelsea Peretti, who it's like one of those celebrity couples that, you know, I don't know them, but I, I like that they're married. They seem cool. They seem like the kind of, they're one of those celebrity couples that you're like, I wish I was friends with them. They seem like cool people to be friends with. Yeah. You know, it's that I, whole I'll parasocial relationship. 
I, I completely forgot to look up anything about <laughs> anything other. But yeah, Jordan Peele now has this whole successful career as this horror acclaimed horror director and producer. Has he done other stuff since? Like he yes, I haven't seen it, but he put out a movie called Us with Lupita Nyongo and Winston Duke, who was also in Black Panther and who is um another incredibly charismatic actor yeah haven't seen it it looks very creepy very very creepy he also has created a new season of the twilight zone oh yes old old tv show yeah but yeah no gossip only love Mm -hmm. same i i honestly forgot that that was part of our assignment so so amy what are we going to watch next we're um, going to dip our toes into the new release pool. Ooh. We're going to watch something that's just fresh out, something that we've both seen. You actually got to see it at the cinema not long ago. <gasps> and then on your recommendation, we got it on Disney+. Plus mm-hmm. And... It has fast become probably my favourite film at the moment. And I just, oh my goodness. I just purely want to watch it again because it's so much fun. I had no idea you loved it so much. I love it so much. We're going to watch Jungle Cruise. Jungle Cruise with The Rock. (laughs) Emily Blunt. Yes. I love it so much. So, so much. But I'll talk about my love for it next time. (laughs) We can go into deep, deep deep of how much I love it I love it so fun I just basically I just want to sit down and watch it again for the third time in three weeks so oh my goodness Mm. you do love it awesome oh that's (laughs) gonna be I do love doing a really uh distinct tonal shift between the movies we picked Mm. like what's eating Gilbert Grape to get out to Jungle Cruise is a journey I love it yeah it's gonna be a fun one guys Get your safari suit action and join us in a couple of weeks. Yep. Well, (laughs) thank you for listening. You can find us online. We are on Instagram and TikTok. Our website is youwatchedwhat.net. You can email us at youwatchedwhatpodcast at gmail.com. Yes, search for us. Insta, TikTok. We would love to hear from you if you have recommendations, corrections, just want to chat and tell us what you think. We would love to hear from you. Yeah, we'd love it. Thanks, everyone. See you soon. Thank you. Stay safe.